This is Come On Kinds with Martin Quilty and Onya Fahey. Welcome once again to Come On Kind. We are on episode 11 here in the KCLR studios. Uh, once again this evening, Paula Dowling will be joining me later on as Anya still away on her honeymoon again um, for the next couple of weeks. So we will enjoy getting a catch up with Paula. We have a bit of a treat tonight. Later on coming up, we'll be discussing the under 16 uh, games that was over the weekend. Of course, they were in the Leinster Championship. We are previewing the minor championship uh, semi-finals that's coming up this weekend but first of all we are going to be discussing all camogie matters with on Uktaran Common Camogie Acta uh, Hilda Breslin and I'm delighted to be joined on the phone line by Hilda Breslin our camogie president so Hilda you're very welcome into Come On Kind Thanks Martin very pleased to be here uh, I suppose it was a busy weekend for yourselves uh, with the uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before with Congress uh, coming up. So overall, uh, Congress good this year? I think so. It was good to get it back in person. Uh, the first time we've had one in two years, which was important. So it was great to be back with everybody, seeing them, uh, you know, hearing what's going on around the country. And the overseas units as well were present, some of them. So great weekend, really. And we got a lot of good work done, a lot of it administrative, maybe um, maybe not the big headline playing rules that we have sometimes but a lot of it good work that needed to get done Yeah the playing rules only comes in every three years and if I'm right in saying next year is a playing rules uh, year to be putting in new rules am I right? I think you are, but I would have to double check. To yeah, I, I think it was 2020, <laughs> all right, that we uh, we trialled the, the new rules for the league um, and the trial uh, runs was coming we in. Did, we did, but we didn't take them in until the next year. So yeah. I think, uh, yeah, we'll probably try the next year is probably the way we'll do it. And just on the new rules itself, um, they're in now with a, a couple of years as well. So overall, uh, how do you think that the new rule changes has developed the game of Camogie? They seem to be going well, you know, good. We had them in the inter-county first when they were the trial rules, but then last year we took them in uh, fully and we we uh, brought them into the club as well. So they're across all the grades. Um, and I think it was interesting last year, maybe there was some reservations, would they filter down? But I think they worked very successfully in the club. We don't seem to have any big issues with them. Um, I think everybody has fully embraced them, um, relatively speeded up the game. I think um, some embracing more than others and there's elements of them that we might tweak at some stage. But overall, I, I don't think there's any that we would be looking to overhaul, particularly or to change any of the new rules. They all seem to be bedding in very well. Yeah, certainly, especially the quick puck out and the quick free from the hand, even though we don't see too much of it. Some counties utilise it more than others. Um, I suppose the big talking point is the minimal contact rule and the definition of what is minimal contact and that is there a, a step forward um, coming in down the line potentially that we're going to have full on shoulder to shoulder contact like we might have with the male counterparts well, we have shoulder. We have shoulder to shoulder if you're going for the ball, so or the slitter. So I suppose that's that's the key. Well, I, what I think we'll never have is if you're not going for the slitter, there shouldn't be contact. 
um, because, you know, in essence, Martin, that's rugby and we're not playing rugby. So, you know, I think they're, they're, they're where we are, probably the rule allows a fair amount of contact once you're going for the slitter and it's clear that you're trying to play the ball, not the player. I'm not sure if it would serve Camogie well if you were playing the player rather than the slitter. That's not the skill of Camogie. The skill of Camogie is about playing the slitter, not the opposition. It certainly is. And talking about skill, getting rid of the hand pass goal now puts an awful lot more emphasis on the forward, I suppose, to be able to get around a goalkeeper or a defender and put the ball past the goalkeeper or the defender to put it into the net rather than going in one-on-one on the goalkeeper and just hand passing it in the net. So there's an awful lot more skill now involved for the forwards to be able to score goals. I think so. And I think what we've seen is certainly over the last uh, couple of months is we've seen some very exceptional goals being scored where maybe previously you might have taken the option of going for the hand pass or trying to, you know, outstep the goalkeeper. Uh, now there's a, there's a lot of skill in the goals that we're seeing being uh, scored. So I think that's good for the game. And we're also seeing a lot of saves uh, goals as well. We're seeing the goalkeeper's skill has increased as well. So I think that's always good. It, it was never, it, you know, I suppose the hand pass goal was something that um, people loved or hated. And um, I was never particularly fond of it. I could see where you could come from it, but to me, there wasn't a particular skill in it. Um, and I think what we've seen now is we've seen the, the standard of the goals being scored are exceptional. Some of them are just outstanding. Well, we certainly benefited, I suppose, down through the years from the hand pass goal uh, on many a final day to, to come home with the, the trophy. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it, it certainly does put more skill uh, involved. And as you said, the goalkeepers are certainly getting better, especially as we've seen at the league finals over the weekend as well. I know the Antrim goalkeeper certainly kept them in as an awful lot longer uh, than what potentially the Wexford had even though I know they got the three uh, quick early goals but the other big talking point uh, Hill I suppose from Congress was the integration of the uh, associations with the GAA LGFA um, and the, yourselves and you were the last ones to vote on it and it was a fairly large majority 97% for 3% against but it's not fully integrated yet it, the the idea of the text was for the, the organisations to sit down get into a room in the hope of integration in the future would be right in saying that? Pretty much. I mean, our motion was very different to the GA and, and the LGFA motion. Uh, their motion was probably more high level. Our motion probably put a bit more around it. And we were keen to do that, that there was accountability on the talks on integration and a roadmap for it. Um, you know, we can all have the aspiration for integration, but unless we're going to actually put put the, put it down on paper and, and discuss what it's like, it's going to be like and discuss the mechanism first, it's not going to get us very far. So I think, to be fair to the Camogie Association, we, we went a step further with what we put to Congress and Congress accepted that overwhelmingly. And I suppose the important thing is that it's actually, it's only about talking about integration and, and people sometimes think that that integration has been voted upon. Anything in terms of changes of rules will have to go back to the three Congresses um, and the whole three associations ultimately will make the final decision on the floor of Congress of what they want um, the one association to be and the form of the one association. So, But I think it's a, it's a positive step that the three associations have given it their support. 
push my button and it might be on here. Uh, I see too with the LGFA that they were looking for to keep their own rules and have a separate president uh, recently when they had their Congress as well if the integration did happen. So in terms of the camogie, where is your thoughts down the line? Are you looking for something uh, completely the same or as in the three associations will just be governed by the one body? I think to be fair to the LGFA, that was an interview that Michael Nocton, the Uchtaran, did afterwards. And I'm not sure if to be fair to him, I think he was he was asked a few questions and he answered them. They certainly haven't come in with any preconditions on talks and their motion didn't have any preconditions, um, which is where we are. We have no preconditions of what, what we see the future to be. I mean, the question is, if it's one association, then it's one association um, and it's one association all the way up from the top to the bottom or from the top down to the bottom, whichever way you look at it. Um, I don't think there's any point anybody going into a room if we've already decided what it should look like. I think the starting point is that we, we start putting a formation on the talks and we start discussing what the options are and from then we'll obviously go back to our membership with what we would recommend would be best for the three associations but for us what would be best for the Camogie Association. And is there a time frame on the formation or for the talks to start yet without giving away too much information obviously because we don't want to be uh, putting that out because it is early stages yet but I'm assuming that the three heads have got together and that there's a, a kind of a roadmap set out now for his talks to start um, fairly soon, I would imagine. We're always in uh, talks with each other, to be fair. I mean, I suppose people maybe think that we, we never speak to each other. We do. We have quite a lot of contact between the three associations and the three Uchtrons would have quite a lot of contact. So I suppose the next step is just that we formalise that um, and, and we put a shape around that. But I mean, we would we would be in contact quite a lot. And there is crossovers. The three arts Johor sit on the Costi Banishis, the three the Uctrons sit on the GAR Corlas and, and of course GA have a representative on the Camogie R Corla. So there's already things there in place and it's just about expanding them out into more formalised talks. I suppose the, the big talking point as well at the start of the year around the schools and the minor competitions was the, the scheduling um, of all the games. And I know it came up at the Kilkenny County Board recently as well that the schools were giving out that during the last, I suppose, 10, 15 years that they were always kind of set in stone to be played early on in the year. And then you had the minor championships coming in from the Camogie. So when you have the split season that's now they are probably for the foreseeable future, Hilda. Um, is there going to be movement around and maybe playing the, the school's competitions that bit earlier? The same with the CCAO. Is there plans looking at the, the scheduling for the uh, the minors and the, the kind of competition so the girls are not getting burnt out too quickly in the year? The minor competition always overlapped with the schools. So I'm not quite sure where that narrative came this year because the, the end stages of the school's competition was always when we were out with the first rounds of the minors and we always had that overlap the final weekends for the minors was always left free uh, and for the schools and we would leave that free in weekends but our minor competition would have always started before of that because of the playing age in Camogie means that those minor players can actually play adult inter-county so we always had that there Martin um, I think what maybe happened this year was due to COVID the schools got somewhat behind 
in one or two of their provinces and they probably would have been further along. They would have always finished their provincial a little bit early. So we wouldn't have had the crossover between the minor inter-county and the provincial competition. And I suppose I imagine the schools hope next year that hopefully if it's COVID is gone, it'll allow them to have their competition probably finished off that little bit earlier. Um, but in terms of a split season, we'll review it at the end of the year. But if we are going to have a situation where players can play across age eligibilities, then we're either going to have to get to a stage where people are going to have to choose which team they play on and what age they play with, or we're going to have to look at a very congested playing schedule because all of our inter-county has to finish by a date um, and that's to allow the club out. So the schools are no different to minor, schools are no different to the CCAO, we're all in a very congested uh, period of the calendar at the moment. And talking about eligibility, obviously there was a rule that was being brought to Congress by uh, yourselves in Ord Corla to try and change the eligibility for over 17s could only play in the inter-county panel um, and it was defeated and I suppose that was due to the case of a lot of the smaller counties might say that they need the players themselves. Um, But I suppose that kind of hampers things in the way too that you can't really run the minor competitions or the adult competitions concurrently because obviously there's going to be an overlap there. So the, the motion to Congress was that you had to be over 18 to play adult inter-county. As it currently stands, you have to be over 17. And the, set, the second element was that you could only play two years. So you had to be over 16 to play minor. The idea behind that, you know, was player welfare as well and burnout and all of the things that we, we talk about that all of the time, but then the hard decisions have to be made around it. Um, and the other issue was to try and put in place a fixture schedule that could serve everybody. Um, obviously, you know, there is an acceptance there that some of the smaller counties that something would have to be done for them. It's disappointing that the motion didn't go through. And I think maybe we could have looked at doing something for de- the developing counties. Unfortunately, the motion didn't go through. And I suppose now as an association, we need to look at it in terms of scheduling. But we can't continue to have blocks of competitions set where the minors doesn't clash with the adult, where 16s don't clash with the minor at inter-county. That's just not feasible in a split season any longer. So going forward, I think we're going to have to be very realistic on what we can put out and we are going to see increasingly competitions out at the same time um, and I suppose then it's going to be very hard decisions for people in terms of player welfare um, and their panels and what they can feel and I suppose what we probably from our sense is at the the association level is we will look for the developing counties maybe to put in place a different model for them but I think the reality Martin is that one or two players holding up competitions for all of the rest can't continue because it will never give a proper fixture schedule and we're one of the few sports that continues to do it Um, and it's just not fair on the players it's not fair on the players we expect to do it it's certainly not fair on the other players and it does lead to drop off and player burnout it's disappointing, I suppose, in a way as well, when you mentioned that, that there's a lot of panels, even within the smaller clubs that would have 
I, I won't say huge numbers, but they might have 20, 21. And yes, there might be one or two girls that will be perceived as the good players or the better players. And everything then is held up because you're waiting to play a game because one or two players have gone away either with a school's competition or maybe with a club competition. And that holds up the, the rest of the competition for everyone else. And when you look at the size of the panels, the girls are there. It just mightn't be that what the management is looking to pick on the day. Would that be fair? I think it is. I think, I mean, we weren't going to the club's element at this stage, but I think you're quite correct. I mean, we've we've all seen it. It's it's much easier to play a, a very good 16-year-old because she's here for training all week, but you might have a 19, 20-year-old in first or second year in college who can't get back. What happens is you tend then not to play them, and then we lose them. And we wonder why we don't have 25, 26-year-olds still playing camogie, because we're putting a 16-year-old out in the pitch in front of them. And girls don't have the time, or they're not willing to stand on sidelines as a substitute and to be very fair they're committing as much as they can and they're just maybe not available during the week for training managers are taking the option of putting a very good 16 year old on it's a very narrow focus Martin and I mean you've been around as long as I have you've seen where we had these drop off in players we have a, a brilliant 16 year old who maybe doesn't come true and then you'll wonder we'll often say at 21, 22 where's so and so and someone will say oh she's no longer playing I mean I think people have to start asking themselves why are they no longer playing why are we not catering for those players um, because we're, we're losing them to our game and once we lose them to our games it's very hard to get them back because we just never get back those girls that stop playing in their early 20s and late teens yeah, and it's not even the, the county that they don't play with the county, it's actually the clubs as well because I know even our own registrar is uh, doing a lot of work on that at the minute and she finding the drop-off from under 12 up to 13, 14 year olds is huge uh, within the counties at the minute and then you go then from the 15, 16, 17, even up as far as 18s, like the drop-off over the last number of years and I'm only going back with say two, three years within our own county, like it's absolutely phenomenal and I can't say what is the same in other counties but like something seriously needs to be done to try and retain players and keep them playing. Absolutely. And I think I suppose that in some ways was was what we attempted to do. Look, I you know, I understand uh, Congress didn't like it, the Flora Congress, there was some very good arguments put up from some smaller counties. But it's a one-size model probably is what doesn't suit everybody. Um, and the, the issue now is that we do have drop-off and, and we do have girls not getting game time. And if they're not getting game time, they just won't play and we lose them. So we are going to have to radically revisit and rethink the traditional playing of camogie. We were traditionally, you know, you could play inter-county camogie at 14 and 15 and you'll see some inter-county players who will say that they've been playing Camogie, they could have been playing inter-county Camogie for 14 years and they were only in their late 20s. And, you know, you wonder why those girls are getting tired of Camogie. And that kind of trajectory is not in uh, sports when you reach the highest level. The elite sport player only really comes into their prime in their mid-20s, whereas our girls were coming in at 20, maybe they were hitting their prime. So I think we've got to be realistic as, as as you know, as society changes and life becomes very busy and people are going on to third level and they've got other things going on, if we want to retain and keep the, the sport moving at the skill level that it's moving at, we need to ensure that the underage player is actually progressing and they're learning that they're not the finished product and we don't expect them to be 
the finished product. No 16-year-old should be the best she's ever going to be. Really, you should be in your early 20s before you're hitting the prime of your camogie career, I suppose, in terms of skill. And I think sometimes we've got the model wrong that we're expecting a 15, 16-year-old to be that brilliant player the same as an adult player. And they, they shouldn't be. They should still be learning the skill and perfecting the skill of camogie. We totally agree with you on that one. I suppose the other issue as well, facing yourselves and there's been a lot of bad press and even over the weekend I see it with some of the Wexford players is the, the dual player. Um, I mean, there's a lot of clashes going on between all the associations and as you say, there's such a short time frame now to try and get all of the games played from all of the associations that the dual player is nearly gone um, at this stage. And in fairness, he seemed to get a lot of bad press over this as well. But if you, as often told, us before like the two associations have always been in contact with fixture scheduling and it's tried to be I suppose not happen as much as possible but when you have so many weeks all crammed in and everyone looking to play games at the same time it's always not possible so is the day of the dual player uh, nearly winding down at this stage? I don't know. I suppose, I mean, I've said this before, what you don't hear is all the matches where we can accommodate each other. Uh, We took, when the split season was being muted, we took what we felt was a very progressive step. And we actually said that we would go opposite to the other codes. And we felt that that was going to allow the dual player, but the inter-county player didn't like that at all. And they were very um, vocal in not liking that. And we were going to put the club first, which would have allowed, in some ways a lot more um, cooperation between the two associations but we are where we are now and we, we're, we're all trying to get into a very narrow window of six probably six months in which to play our inter-county schedule and um, we, we had that fixture in the schedule since last December. We ratified it in January. It was our Congress weekend and we were very clear that if we had to use that weekend, that it would only be on the Sunday. So it was hugely disappointing for me that that couldn't be accommodated within the ladies' football schedule. We had accommodated several changes um, during the league in terms of facilitating dual players and we'd done that very successfully um, and we'd also had a situation where we got the opportunity for Dublin and Down to play in Crow Park and that was on a Sunday which wasn't our day um, and in order to facilitate that Down had to play without their dual players and I mean, we did that we made the hard decision that Down to play in Crow Park and to allow Dublin to go into Crow Park as a part of a double header the Down County Board played without their dual players and that was very tough on them and it was a must-win game for them. And I suppose what we felt was that we had won relatively one day we were looking to be accommodated on um, and that wasn't achieved. So I suppose there was a lot of negative narrative about it and we seemed to be the ones that people felt were in the wrong. But to be very fair, it was the only weekend where we had actually specified the single day that we were going to play on and we were very clear with that from the very beginning. Now, notwithstanding all of that, um, I've always been a supportive of the dual player and to me... It should be achievable if it 
can be, but with greater TV coverage, it's becoming much more difficult. Um, and that, you know, we're, we want to be on TV, we want to be on national TV, and we're always looking for greater coverage. And one of the downsides of that is because we're on the national broadcaster, RTE dictates when we play in reality, Martin, and they dictate the day and they dictate the time that we play because they've got to fit into a very busy schedule on their channels. So our flexibility, which maybe was what we could accommodate previously, has all pretty much evaporated once we get to the final stages of competitions. Um, And I suppose that's disappointing, but the reality also is it's a bit like the age eligibility one. If you've got 60 players and it's one player you're accommodating over 60 players, it becomes very difficult because we we ask all the time to give some certainty to our players. And it's very important for inter-county players to have certainty around their fixtures and to be able to plan their lives around their fixtures. They're amateurs, they're not professionals. So many of them will also have to look for time off. And if we give a date as a definite date, for us to turn around and say to somebody, well, actually, now we're changing that with five or six days to go, means that lots of these working shifts in hospitals, working in many different sectors, they've already got their their work schedule in place. So they actually just can't change matches as quickly as maybe previously we could have changed. So there's an awful lot of moving factors. Um, I think it's disappointing and I suppose I, I've, I always have said it, it's, it's challenging. Um, and if you look at the GAA, yeah, the reality is that the, the dual GAA player is gone by the wayside. Um, could, the, could the two women's associations manage to hold the dual player? I suppose whether we can hold them at adult inter-county is going to be very challenging over the next couple of years. Will integration make a difference on that? I'm not sure it is. Um, and I heard people say integration will fix the dual player. It won't. We'll still have all the same pressures on the dual player. Even with integration, uh, football and hurling are the one association and they have all of the pressures on it. I and certainly it's think it's Sorry. achievable at club level and underage though, Martin. Yeah, I think we've got to... It's not just even the, that you were talking about the dual player with the integration. Like I've often heard it about facilities and scheduling um, and the whole lot that everything is going to be a click of a finger and a magic wand is going to be waved and everything is going to be solved. Like you're still going to have the problem of all the GAA fixtures going ahead, all the LGFA fixtures going ahead, year fixtures going ahead. And there's only so many pitches and facilities that's around the county um, that we were talking about this in our podcast a couple of weeks ago, that maybe some more infrastructure is needed and development of just maybe camogie venues or something within the provinces to allow uh, and relieve the distress on the fixtures within the counties. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think it is. We've said, we've called on government to support this. I'm not sure I would say camogie venues because what, what you want is it makes perfect, it makes much better economic sense that we share venues and, and also share them with other sports, not just with Gaelic Games sports. 
Um, but the government need to put behind this. They're they're calling for integration and and I suppose they're calling for women's sports to be promoted. But women's sports, by and large, don't have their own venues and they haven't been supported over the years in terms of financing and in terms of grants to the same level as the men's association. So, of course, the men's association has all of the venues. Absolutely, because they've been supported both by the communities that we're all part of, Martin, and that you and I are part of, and also by the government funding that has supported all of these venues. I mean, if you look at at the likes of Crow Park and the likes of the big stadiums, they have got huge amounts of government funding. That what didn't happen with women's sport. So to me, it doesn't make sense particularly that we would now look to double the number of venues. But what we do need to do is we do need to upgrade venues and we do need to ensure that we have access to these venues and that there is resources put behind integration. And that includes government resources put behind integration because we all struggle for venues. Um, I'm sure if you spoke to the Kilkenny GAA secretary, he'll equally tell you that he struggles for venues at this time of the year particularly Um, and throughout the season we struggle for the best venues but what we're not going to do Martin is we're not going to go backwards and so we have to ensure that the venues that we put our games into are the best venues available because the players deserve to play in the best venues and they deserve to be seen in the best venues and supported in the best venues. So we don't want to go backwards in any way. So I think what you need is you need some thinking and some creative thinking about this. Maybe the centres of excellence need to be dedicated to the three sports. So in terms of training, if we were getting better access to the training facilities, better access to light facilities and not having to pay for them to the same extent, um, I think everybody would accept that the maintenance of them has to be covered. But it is disappointing at times when you see some of the charges that are being made um, and some of the the fees being asked to be paid by the women's associations um, who, to, you know, to venues that are supported both by the communities and by government funding, and then we're being asked to pay huge sums for some of these venues. I find that very disappointing. I'm not sure that's what a Gaelic Games family is about. Yeah, exactly. And you just briefly described it there uh, when you were doing your piece there a short time ago as well um, about the media and the the television coverage in that. I suppose it was a great announcement as well last week uh, with yourselves and RTE that you've extended the broadcast rights, I suppose, for a minimum of nine games to be broadcast during the year, uh, which I suppose in return to the, the 2020 initiative back a couple of years ago as well, it's great that Camogie is now going to be put forward and to get the nine games on RTE, especially uh, it's a great achievement for yourselves. Yeah, it's brilliant. Look, it's great. It's the great time we. It's the first time we've had a media partnership of this likes with RTE. Um, previously, I mean, I know it's probably been said before, but I'm not quite sure if people realise we would often pay for games on television. Um, so we were limited the games sometimes that we could put on because some of the, the earlier rounds we would have had to pay. This is a new departure that we've got a media rights deal. And now with RTE as our partner across all of our competitions, it actually means that they can put any of our games on. So it also means that they can extend that. It's a minimum of nine live games but that's the minimum and I suppose what we'll be looking to do is build on that so that they may be able to cover some of our round stages it's great that they're covering I suppose our finals and our knockout stages that's hugely um, 
a huge gain for us and and I'm thrilled I've always it's been an aim to get a partnership deal and a name sponsor since I was elected and I suppose it gives us the limelight and gives us the viewership and we need to change turn that viewership though into attendance and I suppose that's the next step for us it's it's absolutely brilliant that we were on TV the national broadcaster last Saturday night prime time five and seven o'clock I'm not sure if you could ask for anything better you know seven o'clock is the prime time on a Saturday night but the flip of that, Martin, is we've got to get people into the stadiums because no player wants to play in an empty stadium just to be on television. So we've got to turn that viewership into attendance at our games. And I think people are losing out when they're not attending the games because they're missing out on these brilliant spectacles. Um, and there is nothing that beats being in the grounds watching the game live. TV is great, but it's it's never going to be as good as being in a ground. Yeah, that's certainly true. And I suppose just to ask the question as well, as part of the, the deal without going into the finer details of it, because we see it every Sunday night during the championship that the Sunday game and you have Valerie or Marie and they literally only have a three minute segment on a game that's going on and that's it. There's no discussion on it. Is that the new package part of getting a bit more coverage on the Sunday night uh, with the Sunday game as well? I think um, last year, I think to be fair, it probably was, there was a bit more discussion and there was a, a panel discussion usually on the Camogie. So I think it improved and it's year on year making those steps, making it improve, I suppose. And, and the panellists that they use are very knowledgeable and, and they're very good. So last year we would have had a lot where, say, Ursula Jacob would have been assessing the game and, and we may have had Liam Sheedy or somebody else as well. So I think that was new for the end of last year. We would hope to be progressing that on. And I suppose people need to be vocal as well, though. People also need to be, you know, we've been in excess of 100,000 members. Um, and those people are all viewers of RTE, so they also need to be vocal and saying this is what we're looking for. We're looking for greater in-depth coverage of Camogie and we're we're looking for greater analysis. But I think to be very fair to RTE, it's, it's certainly moved a long way since it first started doing the highlights. And Definitely. I suppose for us, it's, it's about stepping it forward. The game has stepped forward. The coverage has stepped forward and we just need to keep pushing it on um, and demanding more of ourselves in order to push it further. And the other big news as well that came uh, last week was the announcement that Glenn Dimplex, which is a tongue twister in itself, um, is now <laughs> going to be the, the sponsor of the championship uh, for the, the adult championship, senior, intermediate, junior, um, within the Camogie Association as well. So it's great to be able to have uh, a main sponsor on board as well, Hilda, since uh, Liberty obviously didn't renew their sponsorship um, a couple of years ago as well. So it's great to have uh, a mainstream sponsor now back uh, in the again for the next five years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we said last year, look, we, we had a charity a partnership last year and we I said last year quite clearly we weren't going to rush into this. We were going to do this properly and it was about getting the right sponsor for Camogie um, and Glendimplex is the right sponsor, we believe. It's a five-year deal, which is exceptionally long um, for sponsorship deals. For the first deal, normally what you will get is you might get a, a two-year deal initially and then they'll extend it. But we got a five-year deal and at a much, uh, you know, improved package to our previous sponsorship deals. So that's that's brilliant. And I think that was a, a big um, shout of confidence in Camogie and in women's sport that Glendimplex wanted to come along and commit such resources for five years. 
Um, so th- that was wonderful to have. And I, and I suppose we maybe we held fast last year and we held our nerve a little bit. And, and we were able to do that because we had very good reserves and we had the support of the government. But, you know, we, we needed that sponsor for this year because we need to move on the game and we need to progress it. And I think Glendimplex Glen are the perfect um tie up for us to do that you know they're they're an international company but they're based they're an Irish company which has grown to be internationally regarded um all across the world and they they have um they have offices all across the world and factories and I suppose they're a great success story that they, they've come from a very traditional company and they've grown and they're now moving into the green markets and sustainability and I think in some ways they tie very well with us. They're quite dynamic um, and I suppose people would say the Camogie Association is very traditional and we've been there for since 1904 and will shortly be 120 years old but we're also quite dynamic in some ways Martin and we're quite progressive I don't think we would have withstood those 120 years if we weren't and we're based on community but we're based with progressive women and it, it is about being progressive and progressive women's sport and it's very much that model I think that Carmel Nocton has looked at herself the Nocton family have also come in with their own support and their own money to put behind women the Camogie Association so I think it's brilliant. Uh, I suppose I'm always going to say that. But um, I think even out in the marketplace, it's been seen as a step forward for women's sport that um, this is a five-year deal that's putting a huge amount of trust in the Camogie Association. And I suppose it's up to us now to return that trust and to move on the game with the support of the Nocton family and Glendimplex. Exactly. And I know there's uh, figures of uh, seven figures being touted around over the five year deal. And I know you're not going to tell me uh, because uh, that's not appropriate on uh, a podcast or indeed anything at all. So I wouldn't expect you to divulge the figures. But uh, if that is the case, it's certainly going to be uh, fantastic for yourselves over the next five years and certainly the way forward. And hopefully we'll be there for another 120 years to come. Absolutely. And look, it's not just, look, absolutely, it's it's a brilliant deal, I suppose, but it's not just about us. I mean, I think if you look around, Martin, you'll have seen some very good camogie uh, deals in the last while. We've had Kiri's in Cork and we've had Westwood in uh, Galway. And of course, uh, Glambia have been main sponsors of Camogie and the GAA in Kilkenny for a long time. So those those deals on the ground and those sponsorships show a huge support for Camogie out in the counties. And I suppose it's part of moving that along and the AIG in Dublin. And it's, it's part of getting those sponsors of Zurich and Wexford, it's part of getting those headline sponsors out to our counties. Um, and then ultimately, I suppose we would hope into our clubs as well. But it's it's moving the game on, and it's you know it's a, it's a very different horizon than maybe it was fifteen, ten, or fifteen years ago. And and we've got to progress it on and push it forward. And um, we're we're very sponsorship friendly, I suppose. Camogie is very sponsorship friendly. It's it's a skillful women's sport fastest women's sport field game in the world and all of those things sponsors love them and it plays very well with sponsors so I think we have to be very ambitious in what we look for but also very proud of what we can give a sponsor because we we give a very good product to a sponsor and I suppose we need to recognize that that it's a two-way street.
Exactly. And it is a fantastic product that we all enjoy because if we didn't, we wouldn't be here where we are tonight because Hilda Breslin, this is the longest interview that I have ever done. I know we could probably dedicate the whole podcast uh, to doing uh, things with development plan um, and what's going to happen within the next couple of years as well. But listen, uh, you've been so good with your time this evening. I really appreciate you taking the call and joining us here on Come On Kind. Hopefully uh, it won't be the last time that we might get you on coming near to the All Ireland series as well because cross fingers that will be there uh, for that in the, the latter end of the championship and we certainly wish you the uh, very best of luck in your remaining term as on Uchtaron. Thanks very much Martin, thanks. Lovely. That was indeed President of the Camogie Association, Hilda Breslin, joining us on Come On Kind. And I am delighted that uh, Paula Dowling is now in studio with us here as well. So I'm just going to get rid of uh, the call there with Hilda. So, Paula, welcome back into us. So I suppose we have a, a lot to discuss. The under-16s uh, being the first one that was out over the weekend. The A-team uh, had a very good win over Offaly uh, yesterday out in in the MW Higher Training Centre in Dunmore. The B team, unfortunately, not so well uh, against Kildare. There was just a goal in at one six to six points. So I suppose we'll take the B team first. Um, were you talking to Tommy or anything over the, the weekend about it? Just talking a few words to him. Um, as he said himself, <clears throat> just luck didn't go their way. They just didn't have the luck, I suppose, on the day. Um, like, I mean, they're a great bunch of girls. I know that myself because I would have dealt with them, I suppose, when they're under 13. Um, but what I would say is that it's a big step up. If you think about those girls have missed out on two years of inter-county trials, development, everything. I mean, their camogie life full stop, not just at club level. Okay, they've had their club games, but they haven't had as much training or as much development as they would have had. So like, I mean, that has to be taken into account. So all the counties are going to be in the same boat, you're probably going to say to me, but you have to remember is that when you're playing under 16B, they're playing against A teams. So that is the best in their county. And with some of the under 16 players, I think it does take a little bit longer time to bed into it and to get a feel for it. Um, and then having such two games in quick succession as well doesn't really give them much time to sort of catch their breath and get back going again. No, it certainly don't. The only thing is, though, at least they're, we thought originally they were, but they're not knocked out of the competition. So they still go into the, the Shield semi-finals, which will be played. I think it's around Easter Monday time, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. <clears throat> um, Down for I think, Monday, next, yeah. next Monday. So at least it's given them an extra game um, and that chance to potentially even get into a, a Leinster final, albeit whether it's a Shield Look, final or not, it's still a final. It's experience. That's the key thing. And you want girls having experience of playing at the highest level possible for your panels. Um, as well as that, I think um, there's only 26 on the A panel, so I presume they probably will be looking for players off the B panel. Now, I don't know this, I'm assuming that. Um and I mean, there's plenty of girls that are on that B panel that have the capability of making the A panel moving forward. Um, so on that level, it's all to play for. And as well as that, anytime you work at Kenny Jersey, it's an honour and it's a privilege. So exactly. it's about getting that going and getting them all, you know, you know, getting the head in the right space as well. Um, I do know there was a little bit of upset over the weekend with regards to the fact because the Leinster League finals were on they Sunday were, yeah. as well. And again, that's coming to what your interview with Hilda was um, talking about, that 16-year-olds can play with an adult team. So that comes into conflict and play. So I suppose there just needs to be maybe a little bit more communication, even if it had been a day earlier, a day later. There's always leeway. So, you know, these are the kinds of things that we need to be a little bit more tighter on. 
Um, I know, but, but again, I'm going to play a devil's advocate here because like Hilda was saying, I mean, if you have so many on a panel, so you say there's 33 or 34 girls um, on a, any kind of a team, whether it's your A or your B team, and there's one or two girls missing because they've gone away in their play. Okay, they might be maybe your starters, but... I you just know. wanted to go see both matches and I couldn't do it. Sorry now, just be purely selfish. <laughs> That's a bigger difference. Yeah, you know, I can understand completely. Look, and it's about giving girls game time. But yeah. then on the other hand, you have to deal with the disappointment of the younger girls. But even listen to Hilda, the way she's talking, she's saying moving forward, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to make a call on it. And that's, that's the realisticness of it, the whole thing. And I suppose the thing is, though, that we need to maybe as clubs be more aware of if you're going through years whereby you've lean players or you're low on players, why are you low on players for that period of time? What went wrong or what needs to be adjusted? So from that perspective, it would take the pressure then off the likes of that your under 16s are playing, your under 16s and playing only the one level up rather than having to go straight onto an adult team. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a lot of debate going on over age grades and I suppose what's going on in Offaly as well at the minute, picking sports and, you know, whether you turn up for development training sessions with development squads and so forth. I mean, if we that was to happen within any other county, there'd be uproar, uh, I think, going on. Now, I know it has happened in Camogie and the things in another county where the LGFA has forced players to pick a minor uh, team, whether you play LGFA or Camogie. And I'm not going to mention the county, but I have it on a lot of reliable sources um, that it has happened uh, within it as well, which is a huge disappointment to the Camogie girls, obviously, because that's what happened as they went to, to play football. Um, but like, surely to God in this day and age, and I know the dual player is there, you but can't fix stupid, it's malign, Martin. You can't fix stupid, it's communication. Right, at the end of the day, we're trying, all trying to hold on to players, whether it's LGFA, Hurling, Camogie, whatever the sport is. And what you have to do is encourage those players to partake as much as possible without overtraining them with keeping in mind player welfare like there has to be some bit of balance a bit of give and take isn't a lot to ask no it's not and sometimes people need to leave their egos outside the door and focus on the player welfare and that's what and that's what head. it is a lot of the time is egos within certain managers like this you know but anyway we won't go there and I know you can you're, 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 you can see by the look in my eye <laughs> you're falling your hands over there now so <laughs> I know it's time to move on on anyway, that one um, the under 16 A's had a great win um, they had what I was delighted to see is that there was um the management team obviously gave girls more girls run outs, which is really important to get that experience moving forward. I was just going to say that they actually made quite a number of changes for that game at the weekend. That'll probably make things a lot more difficult for them, which is a good headache to have if they're all after putting up their hands for it. Um, there is some fine players, like I mean, and, and I suppose it's good to give the girls, some of the girls are, say, a year younger that are 15-year-olds that are on that under-16 team. They're after getting a little bit of experience as well um, because, as I said last year, the under-14 was sort of all crammed into quite a lot together. So anything like that is important that they all get that experience. And then some of the girls, I know, I'm just going through a lot of them would have been involved with schools matches, so they probably just need a break as well. A lot playing around some are playing with St. Bridget's some are playing with the Prez and just to give them maybe a little bit of a break as well because it is a lot like I mean that's a long season for a lot of those girls the under 16 championship would have finished here what when was it October I think probably it was probably the end of October the end of October say. right so probably went straight from that into training with the schools I would have had preliminary schools matches probably before Christmas and then into the Leinster Championship then straight after Christmas. So they're actually going hell for letters since everything reopened up last year. So that's the one thing I suppose 
you would have to be mindful of is that some of the girls are actually might need to have a little bit of break and they'll have to be a little bit of player management and that's But it's also good for important. Jim as well that he's able to get to see what his best 15 is before it comes to the championship in July mm. And End then again you'll probably may have girls that are coming from that B squad that could be pushing You could be surprised. Well. By all yeah. accounts some of the girls are showing up quite well with the under 16 B so like I mean that's that's something for them all to be mindful of um, but I don't doubt it they'll have uh They'll cross their T's and dot their I's once it gets to the championship stage. Um, I suppose you have exams now coming to place. So you're going to have a period of about three weeks there or probably a bit more, five weeks where my people are going to be sort of downtime. But it's to keep things ticking over and to keep that hunger. That's the hardest thing, I think. Well, there was hunger in Dunmore yesterday, I can tell you one thing, because uh, I suppose the most disappointing part for Jim maybe was that they didn't put more scores in the scoreboard because they were completely dominant from start to finish almost like it was 1-5 to a point at half time there was a slight little bit of a breeze blowing into the roadside of the goal um, you know uh, Julie Lennon got the goal um, it was a scramble in front of it she done very very well to put the ball into the net but for the amount of possession that they had realistically they should have been six or seven goals up at half time you know sometimes at that age group the hardest thing is to get it into their head to realise to take the chance themselves and actually you know to have that courage of their convictions I would, I'm always delighted to see somebody say take a punt on a goal or take a punt towards the goal or take the shot I can deal with that but you have to learn from it and that's the biggest thing as in that okay if you're stacking up the wides you get worried but you have to have we didn't surprisingly there wasn't too many wides mm-hmm. maybe not great shot selection yeah. you know that there was other players around in but a better position and yeah you have to learn and the biggest thing is uh, uh, we're training under 10s the weekend and we're doing the training session and the one thing we we're just trying to get across to him is to explain how do you get across to an under 10 year old to have controlled aggression and what I'm trying to say is that when you go for a ball you have to want that ball regardless of who you're in against. If you're even, say, three feet behind that person, I've seen girls with that attitude whereby they start behind somebody else, but because they want to get there first, they'll win the ball. So that's something that has to be worked on, I suppose, and looked at with all players. Because I've seen a lot of skillful players and they don't necessarily have that skill. They have the skill, they're beautiful hurlers. But to have that... I have to be very careful. Killer instinct, I suppose, is what I'm talking about. You have to want the ball. You have to want to win the tackle. You have to want to win the tussle. So on that level, like, I mean, but that's really something... really, do we want to start them at that age? And I'm always devil's advocate here. Well, you see, the reason I'm saying that is that you can't have a young girl or a young child, whether it's male or female, afraid. So you can't have fear. Like, I mean, if you have fear, you're automatically taking a step backwards. So you're doubting yourself. So when I say controlled aggression, I mean having confidence and belief in themselves that they can do it. And that's the biggest thing because, and I'm not asking it to be cocky because I don't like that either. It's that delicate balance in between that you know you have to do your best for your team. Yeah. And I think we could be lacking a little bit in that across the board in that I feel we we have so many talented Camogie players in Kilkenny but we do need to have that killer instinct we need to put teams away and not let them back in and I think it's coming it, it is definitely coming but it has to be there and I mean from senior all the way down it just we need to have a belief in ourselves and not an arrogance but a belief that we can do it and like I mean as I said people always say oh yeah you have to take your beating what's even more important is to learn from it so what have I, what could we have done differently or what was missing? Um, you know, and it's small margins. 
these are all the things and if you don't learn from that you're not going to because the fear of winning is nearly as bad as the fear of losing well I know you and you hate losing and hate every lose, yeah, every yeah. game goes into it you analyse then when it comes to it to know where you did go wrong the yeah, whole lot but like what I'd be saying is that from that match now after playing awfully Kilkenny will actually be sitting down and they'll be going they should be going right right we did A, B, C we do well okay we need to work and these other two bits or whatever we need to work on but we also need to get their heads in the right spot so that they actually realise okay yeah we are as good as any other team here we don't have a mm-hmm. divine right to win it there's potential there exactly that's what it needs but they need to they need to actually realise that potential so they need to go out and say right I know we can do it but how are we going to achieve it and there has to be a little bit of rootlessness just a little bit of rootlessness. You can't be like, you know, it's, 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 it is a physical game. It's not, you know, out picking daisies. <laughs> no, I have to say I was disappointed with Offaly um, yesterday. Uh, I thought they would have put up a better performance than they did. Three points in total, two points coming in the second half. Um, Phineas, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, duly got a point in the second half. Uh Roisin Kinslip very good on freeze. Um, but I have to say, Nicola Cleary, who was centre-back, she's a Shinron girl, She's a fine tall girl like for a 16 year old as well and um, played as a kind of a sweeper got on an awful lot of ball as well um, but realistically like Kilkenny were dominant from 1 to 15 it was great five forwards on the scoreboard uh, two midfielders were fantastic as well um, and the backs dealt with the balls that went up there when they had to deal with them like they weren't really put under too much pressure which I suppose for Jim might be a bit worrying as well because they haven't really been tested as such come the Leinster Championship but when you go and you play the other teams the likes of Galway's Corks you know Tipperary's it's going to be a different kettle of fish when it comes to Championship And then it's so hard to get challenge matches as well because this was last year it, show, it stood to the under 16s because they would have played the under 17s so the second half of the minor panel last year in a challenge match and we played three quarters of 20 minutes now it was tough going and it was hell for leather but it actually I think it stood to the under 16s um, it was a great way to see you know that you could see teams you know progress and develop and they were able to actually learn from that and I do firmly believe it stood to them and it also stood to our girls as well because they saw the girls that were chomping at the bit coming up behind them so on that level I'd be you know where Jim is going to get challenge matches would be the toughest thing um, and again you have the exams coming up everything's going to run off quite quickly now you know yourself once it gets into May everything just seems to whiz by before you know it we're in August it'll be helter skelter like the games will come so quick training sessions recovery from injuries if anything happens touch wood that we won't have them but um yeah, it's all crammed into a very tight schedule. Like I think the the final is even in the end of July. Is it, it is beginning the beginning of third August. Week, third week of July, I think. Is third fourth yeah, week of July. It is very very early, so not much time at all. But at least he has uh, a couple of weeks as well. Even during the exam break, they'll probably do something. And look, Nothing. in between in between those two panels, there is the potential, if it can be realised, to win an All Ireland. Yes, that's been realistic about it because I've seen all these girls. Um, and and they definitely have the potential. But it's, again, it's about game management. It's about getting the right mix of players. Um, I nearly got shot one day not so long ago because I said it's not necessarily about having the all of the best players on the team. It's about having the best players for the team. We certainly need workhorses as well. Like, and nobody really sees that. And someone might be skillful and the whole lot, but you have to have 
like a little terrier that will just go in and do what you want them to it's do. The, the one that does the dirty work. Yeah, that's the you one know, You know for. what I'm talking about. They yeah. do the dirty work. They're there to mop up. They do the small little passes. They they do the link play and they keep it going. So like, I mean, you have to have that. Michaela Keneally's, Katie Nolan's, you know, that, that age That group, age, you know, I'd be thinking of Foot Myers. I think Alicia Nolan is a prime example. Yeah. Like, they're the type of ones that do all the work but still can be fabulous in their own way as well and do their own thing. So they're the kind of players you're looking at. Um, I would see there is a couple Jim has a a couple of players there you'd be looking at and also there's I suppose there's a a backbone there of girls that would be quite steely I have to be very careful. Phrase, in other words, they won't shy away from anything. Like, I mean, within the back line. I see you're looking at that anyway because it's a fresh regular lean corner back. Like, so. I'm sure I'd be biased that way, but I know, I know. Look, she's a steady camogie player. The same as the one beside me steady, here from steady, St. Martin's. Like. St. Martin's, yeah. Steady camogie player. Like, Katie Brennan is a fabulous player. I've seen Katie play, and she is good. Um, but again, she has bits she can improve on again. Uh, you know, like of them all and it's about getting their heads in the right frame and I know Jim will do his best with them and Niall and all the lads and they'll get them into the right frame and hopefully it'll be onwards and upwards. It'd be great to win, we, win the Leinster. Cause sure. They're in the final now. Haven't been played in two years, am I right? Yep. Hasn't been either as far as I know, no. When was the last time we won it, Martin? There's a question for you. Oh, holy mother of God. Now you're asking me a good question. Um, I don't know. Was it... I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. know. I I just throw it at you to keep you occupied on um, your toes. Yeah, I, I know we're playing Dublin as far as I know because yeah. I think the, the fixtures come out um, there during the day, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So I think it is Dublin and I know Rachel Rogers uh, was on as well um, looking to know about last weekend's game. So, Well, oh, the minor hasn't been won since I think Dave Kent was involved with that, Leinster Championship. Yeah, it's a long time as well. Now you really put me on the spot. That's, to see the, that's the, going back as far as I know now. I couldn't be 100%. We uh, we may start checking that one out for you now, but that's that's a bit of homework for the producer now to be getting onto on that one. Talking about games in Leinster, we obviously have the minor semi-finals coming up the weekend. So the A teams out against Offaly again, which is not going to be an easy game because Offaly is the All Ireland B champions. They yeah, have won that. They're certainly on a high. We have the potential to go in and beat them and get to the Leinster final. But it won't be a walk in the park. Won't be a walk in the park. But there has to be, as, as just in my own head, I'd be saying the mindset has to be right going up there. As in, um, awfully and awfully is never an easy task. And I suppose, again, you have to have the right headspace. You have to want to go up and want to win it and have to have um, all your ducks in a row. Now, we had training on Saturday night on last week and there seems to be good enough vibe around the camp. So they all seem to be looking forward to it. And I suppose um, a lot of the girls feel like that they've left... The, the day against Galway we didn't do justice to ourselves and they know that themselves they've said it to us so they're out to prove a point themselves and I don't doubt it I think they'll have the right attitude going forward and they'll they'll definitely want to leave their mark on the, the minor year It's going to be a tough one because obviously the two games are on at the same time the B, Yeah meet them Yeah meet then with the, the B team so obviously you're going to be splitting the management team I suppose that's the, the joy of having not a huge big management team either like that the I suppose it's good in one way another way it's bad we'd love to make both matches um, but either way as I said both matches are equally as important um, because these girls have been waiting all year some of the girls that are on the B panel to show their wares and show how good they are and uh, they'll be up against it against Meath like I mean again playing Meath in Meath it's never 2019 easy 2019 for the under 16 was the last time we won it 2019 mm. see now the minor is the next one uh, and we won it in 2018 as well so we done back to back on that one mm. see so anyway, sorry you were saying yeah we'll see how we get on now in Meath because that'll be um, that'll be a 
you know, these girls are out to prove a point. A lot of the girls that are on that panel um, are available again next year. So they want to leave their mark and to go home at Silverware. And I said, wouldn't it be great to get to, you know, the two teams to Leinster final? That's not be far hoping. wrong. 2015 was the away now, no come back down here. Uh, 2017 was the last time that we won the minor. That's a good few years ago. Mm. And the B, we've never won it. Ah, uh, that's, I love a challenge, Martin. Yeah, we've never won the B1 yet. We won the minor shield all right in 2016. Thanks for giving me that ammo. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm just checking the, the minor B uh, competitions here. Going back to 2014 is the first time that the results now come up on the Leinster Championship. Uh, but from 2014 onwards, Kilkenny hasn't uh, hasn't featured in the B Cup. But you can imagine what it's going to be like now with the guard to Inmeath against Meath. Now they're always a physical team. Um, it's their first team again. So when you're playing against an A team from any county, you just have to, you cannot take anything for granted. And they're going there a long time as well, like since they won the Minor B Cup 2015, like seven years for them before they won it. So again, no walk in the park either. Nothing. It's actually going to be two very interesting games, I think, for for both teams. Like, And again, the, the, the issue with this is going to come in that the fines are fixed for the 24th of uh, April as well and the B competition and the A competition are probably going to be in two different venues if the two teams get to them so like we're talking about Oh it'd be lovely to have a double header in Nolan Park both teams in it that's my <laughs> ideal dream that's the dream Martin that's the dream for me I'd love that and like I mean it's what, one of the top pitches in, in Ireland wouldn't be lovely to have a double header if we got there I have would. to get over Saturday first and that's more important I'm not even thinking that far ahead you, since you threw that out there it just came into my head as an epiphany we'll make it on to Johnny Coogan first and maybe Lyndon the Leinster Council if it does happen it might allow it to happen if we could get Nolan Park for it but um, yeah look it, it's going to be interesting for yourselves uh, I suppose it is the last hurrah maybe for some you know when it comes to the Leinster that that's going to be the end of their minor journey they have a right the attitude is good though at the moment there's just no I'm not talking about losing the weekend but the overall like for this year coming it's the end of the journey for some of our minor girls that that's it their underage journey will finish in 2022 but it's the start of another journey is the way I would look at it yep. that's the way it should be um, development wise like I mean there is so much potential among those girls I even said to you the last year that there's girls probably on the B panel that probably will make it forward like they have the ability to do it if they decide they want to put in the effort. So I suppose it's a big transition from 18 and then you're going straight into whether it's you're making an intermediate team. Or yeah, because we've no under 20 or 21 competition in Camogie like for that age group, the same as the GAA. Mm. So you're really transitioning from minor straight onto the adult panel. Adult panel. But then again, women do develop quicker than men. So I suppose on that level, we're, you know, slightly... Here we go. You're trying to bring me into a, 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 an, an argument here now and get me well, in it's trouble. Proven, it is a proven fact like I mean you know girls do develop uh, physically quicker than males and um, on that level that's what I meant I didn't mean anything about your mental capacity or grey matter or anything like that thanks very much for that yeah right moving swiftly along from that I'll push the button now and cut her off here now in a second but the league finals um, at the weekend uh, obviously we had a bit of an interest in the division 2 final because Wexford is the opponent for our senior team on the 30th of April got right you did, in fairness. Um, I nearly got the other one right. A bit too easy for him at the end of the day. Like three, look, they're, three they're, quick goals in the first quarter of an hour. A mistake uh, by the the Antrim cornerback for one of the goals. But now I'm saying that while it was easy in a way, they weren't as fluid 
and the fluidity wasn't as much as there as it has been in the semi-final the quarter-final may not have been but just think about it. that's their first time back in Crow Park and you know they needed that they needed that because moving forward they're heading into championship 2012 sure was the last time they won the, the All-Ireland yeah. I think was the last time they were in Crow Park so they're heading into championship now and their tails are up they know they could have played better wouldn't you love to be in that situation not playing at 100% and still winning your, your league final so you know that you have, you still managed to win without playing at 100% so that means they can go back and go back to the drawing world they've got time to go work away and get themselves together before the All-Ireland Series I'd be if I was from Wexford I'd be delighted Oh well I know they certainly are delighted now they did play very very well I was disappointed with Antrim I have to say now I know they missed Maeve Kelly big time she mm. was injured in the, the semi-final and she was going around Crow Park in a boot as well um, last Sunday or last Saturday evening so um, yeah they, they did really miss her and they didn't really seem to be a plan B there like while they did try and they could have had a goal themselves um, you know I, I, I was I was disappointed with him now I thought they would have uh, put but up a better show but if you think show. about last year Martin in the, the All-Ireland Final they did rely on her a lot they really did like I mean she was the catalyst not only was she scoring but she was linking up the play she was and I suppose others needed to maybe this could actually be the crowning of Antrim as well because they maybe realise okay she's not around so now the rest of us have to step up to the mark and maybe that'll give them a more even team and you're going to see more leaders coming onto the pitch because Maeve was fabulous like I mean everybody she was the player we were all talking about after the All-Irelands last year so that's what I'd be thinking about Disappointing as well for him down to 14 players after 20 minutes as well it was tough going like for a lot of the match like you had what well, 40 minutes it depends minutes. on the team because having been on the receiving end of uh, being playing against a 14 player I team I being sent off yes so on that level you know you just don't know you just don't know like I mean it depends how a team reacts to that and that is psychologically most of the times if you go to any match you'll actually see that if there's 14 players versus 15 the 14 will actually come out stronger if they're anywhere close by because they just it's like they band it together and they cement together and solidify and they just do it like they're not backing down so that's I suppose a lot of it depends on teams and that's something that a lot of managers would actually plan for nowadays they'd say okay if we go down to it's not going to happen hopefully but if we go down to 14 this is what we're going to do so I mean it's about being more proactive than reactive and automatically oh my god somebody's after being gone off the pitch what are we going to do yeah and as I said it would have been great to be able to talk to Hilda possibly for even an all entire podcast to get her view on the, the league finals but poor enough crowd I know it's a catch 22 it was live on the television as well quarter past five uh, on a Saturday evening you know now in fairness to Antrim Antrim brought down a couple of buses and there was an awful lot of girls that was in it as well like so it was great to see the the saffron and white that was there and Wexford did have support but like Wexford would normally I'm oh, bring 10, 12,000 to it into a, an All-Ireland final I know I'm it was just a league really, final really now, and I suppose I'm going to get shot for it what amazes me is that people will go and support their male counterparts at the drop of a hat right Yeah, but they won't go and support the females. And I can't understand why, because you have just as good and just as skillful players playing who, if they were getting seen or people bothered to go see them, they would actually follow them more and more because they have the ability and skill that can equal any of their male ca- counterparts. And we've actually discussed this, Miss Evan Anya, as well um, on previous podcasts. If you want to bring somebody to Crow Park and get a day out and go to a match in Crow Park, Camogie days are the best days to go because like 
the atmosphere is fantastic. You haven't really got a hustle and bustle and mad people around for the place. Kids and it's brilliant. Isn't it just? Oh, it's and just it's a actually cheap, way cheaper. Like I mean, I can't say exactly how much it was to get into the, the league final um, the other evening. Um, I mean, I know it was just five euro for the Division Two to get into the league games. So I mean, you're probably looking at maybe a tenner or whatever. The kids probably are free as well for it, but. No, I, 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 I love, can't understand I love, it. Oh, no. Going to Crow Park for Camogie matches is the best because I would have always started all of mine. My small bodies would have went to Camogie matches before they went to any of the hurling matches. We'd always go because it's just more relaxed. You don't have the same level of volume of crowds. You don't have the same noise. They're able to see everything going on. You can sit where you want. So you can sit down the front, even though it's a crap view for me, but they think it's great because they're able to get right in the top close of the Close to the players as well. Yeah, like close to the players. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing. It's just, it's a way more family friendly day because... I know the stewards have their job to do but players can actually come over they actually have time to come over and talk to players and you know you can let out yell and say well and they'll come over you know it's just I just can't understand why more people don't go to Camogie matches yeah, well, it's it's something that certainly, yeah, I know if we want to see him on the television, which to bring it to a larger audience and the whole lot, but Hilda's right, like, we can't want it on the television and then be given out that there's no crowds that's there to support the, the players either. We can't have it catch 22. I suppose, and then the other side, I was just thinking when Hilda was talking there, I was saying, like, I thought streaming during COVID was brilliant for elderly people. Yeah. Now that's something yeah. they might need to look at and pay for. I have no problem paying for a streaming match. Like, I mean... But then you have the same problem that if you're getting it streamed even through a paywall and you're sitting at home, the bums and the seeds or the spectators at the venue are still not going to be there either. Mm. Which looks kind of stupid when it you're does. going to play girls. Now, I mean, Hilda was on about scheduling in the whole lot. I mean, the to have Waterford or whoever, Limerick or the Munster Council playing double headers with Munster GAA games as well coming up is going to be fantastic for some of them. And girls, like they could be playing in front of... 40, 45,000 people by the time all the Harlem crowd is in. Some of the girls might never get to experience something like that again. Well, that, that's, that's, I think, I think looking at, you know, they're about bringing the three associations together. I would see that as being something integral to the development of Camogie, that if you could get more games to have them as curtain raisers before their matches, it will broaden the number of people that actually see matches. It makes their names known. You know, you've the household names. Even if you ask like a lot of the, the smallies, small girls that are training, ask them to name like some of the Camogie players. They won't know them, but they'll know TJ Reid, they'll know Parik Welsh, yep. they'll know Owen Murphy, they'll know all the names. Now they may know whoever's within their own parish or whoever if they've got a representative on the county team, but that'll be about it. It goes back to Littlewood's uh, survey that was there going back a couple of years ago, whereas 82% of people within their own counties could not name a Camogie player. I'm not at all surprised. Not one bit. And like the thing is, what you like what can we do as 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 an association? And it doesn't happen all from the top either. Like it has to start at the bottom at grassroots coaches. You know, you're a coach yourself, right? On all Ireland final day, okay, Kilkenny might not be in final, but a lot of people will say, okay, girls, come on, this is the best day. You're going to see the best players within a county. So we we'll say Cork and Galway is playing, okay, you might be a team from Kilkenny or whatever, but to give the kids an experience of an All Ireland final day in Crow Park, put them on the bus, bring them off for a day, have the adventure out, and it's a fabulous fun day of, uh, I suppose, of getting to see a Camogie game, getting to see great players, getting to see what they could potentially do in 
10 or 12 years time as well but, that's, but that's, they're not doing it they're not doing it but that's what it's all about it's about giving them and even at that like it's like it's getting players to see even local club matches don't even go that far like local club matches right to, to promote it like it, social media is so important now it's not even funny and that I would find within our own club is that you know it's about putting up when matches are on who's on it's on all the social media the text messages are going out if everybody's around please come and support that's the way we're going with stuff with us but still I just feel at times it's very frustrating is that it's like being a little bit of a second class citizen and that gets to me because the exact same work is put in if not more Um, I suppose we've the dedication that the girls put in it's it's just as much, if not more, because they're probably trying to juggle other things. Some of the, the women still playing have kids and everything, and they're juggling all that kind of thing, and they're involved. Um, whereas, like these are the things we need to be encouraging and looking at. And I just, it just gets to me. I just get frustrated over it. I just think, it, like, yeah, it has to be acknowledged. If you're on a minor county panel, if you're on an under sixteen county panel, it is just equally as good as being on a hurling underage panel or on a hurling senior panel or senior camogie or -hmm. intermediate and that has to be acknowledged. So I think from my perspective I think there needs to be more parity. How we'll achieve that I suppose is that as role models as a coach I'd be telling the girls you can do every single thing that all those boys can do. And And better. Oh there's no fear there. No fear. Like I'd be telling them they're just as like it's about going out there and keeping them involved and keeping them playing and that's the really important thing and then Hopefully, hopefully, the more people that we have involved of, of, I suppose, across the board, whether it's ladies, Gaelic football, whether it's camogie or hurling, that there needs to be more of a gender balance that we all sort of sing off the one hymn sheet. Like, I'm not bashing men, I'm not bashing hurling or GA or anything like that. I just think everybody deserves a place and their own recognition for what they do. Yep. Well, we were going to talk an awful lot more about the, the league finals and that um, I suppose that the pinnacle was the Division 1 final um, congratulations to Galway they came out beating Cork I know you had your heart set on Cork I know it was a bit iffy I was yeah. a bit iffy but like look, look your head was saying Galway your heart was saying Cork and looking for long periods of time Cork were playing very very well but it all turned as soon as Galway brought on Carrie Dolan and Catherine Finnerty they were the real catalyst mm. that put the cat among the cork pigeons. Carrie they Dolan got the goals. Some yeah. When she came in, like I mean, even just like she's she's lethal, she's lethal. But then again, Cork were missing for their starting team. And they were like, but when you Amy O'Connor got a goal in what the first minute of the second yeah. half to go six points ahead, one ten to seven points. You're thinking, go ahead. You haven't won a league title since 2013. But they couldn't, and that's due to the fact that Paddy, not Paddy Murray, Cahill Murray has um, <laughs> Paddy, yeah, uh, that should be interesting. <laughs> Cahill has Galway uh, tuned to the fact. I suppose a bit like that you're never beaten until that final whistle goes, and it was certainly a, a bit like that last uh, Saturday evening. It was, but it, like I mean, the thing is with Galway, they, they they've won. They know how to win, and actually, that's a little bit frightening. Is that they're winning more and more. But are you surprised it's only their sixth title, I think, at uh, the the National League? Very surprised. That is, like, you'd think they would have a lot more for the, the players and the calibre of players that they have had. But then again, you could say the same for Kilkenny as well. And you could say the same for Cork as well. Because well, we are top of the pile. Like, Cork is ahead with 16. We have 15. You have to go all the way back down, down to Galway, which had five up to last weekend. So they made it six. Mm. It's a big gap. It is. But it's just... 
they seem to be getting their ducks in a row over in Galway at the moment. There seems to be a lot of, of continuity with the Garda from a development point of view and everything like that. And there seems to be a, a definite progression there. But still, again, I just... I, I thought they, if they were going to win, I thought they would have won by more against Cork. Do you know what I, I actually did think they would have won by more. But they and didn't. I suppose in a way both of them were kind of lucky because if Tipperary had beaten Galway the and day if that Kelly, it happened that last three that, dubious last three yeah, that, red, that red card with uh, Tipperary and Galway mm. um, I know I saw it earlier on Twitter that the uh, the red card was rescinded not much good to the players now but like that could have put a different story on it it could have been Kilkenny and Tipperary in the league final it wasn't but um, I still think you know Galway and uh, ourselves going into championship um Cork and the other side of things as well it's going to make it an interesting championship this year Very interesting and as well as that I think Cork are going through sort of they're, they're, they're nearly over their rebuilding process they seem to be settling in with regard to their players like I mean they brought up also I saw that Sabine Rabbit got a run out there on, at the match as well so like I mean she would have been on last year's minor panel so they seem to be incorporating so they're bringing them gradually through and I think the thing is the key thing for any of them is not to rush it through and even just giving her a little bit of taster is enough because I do think if it comes too fast upon players You'd ruin a player very easily as well Very easily Very easily You know and, and it's about keeping that even keel and keeping on, on level footing and, and not to put the cart before the horse and, and to get there but they seem to be looking at that sort of whole development process Yeah Anyway You got the bike sort of run right your head was right with Galway. Your heart may not have been uh, with the, the, the Cork. But um, yeah, that completes the league. Uh, and it's hard to believe us that it is only coming up toward the end of April and the National League is now finished. So getting ready to start with the Leinster Championships shortly. What, I have a question for you, Martin. Go on. What do you think of the whole situation in Watford? Been unable to uh, field. Uh, geez, you're really putting me on the spot here now. Right, number one, it's fantastic that uh, the games were to be put in front of large crowds. I've already said that. I would have to wonder whether they were done with the consultation of the counties because the original fixture date, as Hilda was saying earlier on, we all know it's not the same as GA. So you know it yourself with teams, the girls working, the whole lot, they're not able to change their shifts as easy or any kind of work or commitments or whatever that way so you look at your fixtures and you see that you have no fixture in Munster until the 24th of April you plan your schedule around that so next you see that there's a game being put on the 23rd of April now realistically if you're a county player you want to play in the best venues and with a huge crowd and the whole lot and you try your best to try and get a team together which I, can, I can't understand in one way why it's not happening, but I can also understand it in another way that the original fixture so the is there. So I am sitting on the fence because I don't know the full ins and outs of it. I know I would be very disappointed if it happened in Kilkenny that we couldn't play in front of 40 or 50,000 down in Parky Creeve or whatever yeah, at a quarter final of a, an All-Ireland series like we did against Galway uh, the year we played in Thurles against uh, Waterford mm. the atmosphere that night was fantastic it was phenomenal it was brilliant it was brilliant I was down on the sideline myself and the hair would actually stand up on the back of your head especially when we went to extra time and all the Kilkenny supporters were in oh, just, it was, I'm you know, telling you and then, and you had then, Kilkenny shouting for Kilkenny and you had Galway shouting for the Waterford Camogie team it was like, mad it, it, was, was, it, was, it was, was great brilliant. Brilliant, it was really great day. 
and I, I don't know the full ins and outs of it. I would be disappointed if we couldn't get it, if it was Kilkenny and you couldn't get a team together to play um, before a hurling game because we're always on about promotion, equality, the whole lot. As I said, I don't know the full ins and outs of it, but it, it is disappointing. And it's disappointing for Munster Council and Munster GAA as well to go to the problems. However, it does give Kerry, I see, that's down to play in a junior final if I'm not mistaken, which is now after being put in as the curtain raiser instead to that game, you know, so that's given that team, whoever Kerry is playing that day. Um, and I know I saw it on Twitter earlier, my head is melted uh, to know who it is, but that's given them a chance now that that's they brilliant. wouldn't have had. So fair play to, to the Camogie and the GAA, at least they have a curtain raiser in there now. I'd be getting a lot of sick notes signed if that happened, I have to say. <laughs> that's been my way out of it. Would you want to miss the opportunity? No, but again, as I, I said, I can understand you, yeah. you want to have your full palette, you want to have be as strong as possible, but maybe it's it's an opportunity to blood players and maybe an opportunity to get guards to step up to the mark. It's actually the intermediate championship final between Cork and Kerry has been fixed for Parky Cueve on this uh, Sunday, the seventeenth of April, as the curtain raiser to the GAA game, which is Cork and Limerick. So that's going to be an interesting one nice to get in as well oh, brilliant brilliant. especially for say a so-called not a strong team Kerry but still they're making great strides all around sort of, there's new clubs a couple of new clubs after pop, popping up down there I'm and talking about Kerry I mean we can't go without the league without mentioning Cavan back to back promotions from Division 4 they're now going to play in Division 2 next year we could be heading to Breffney Park to play in uh, an intermediate it's, game again I'm Breffney haven't Park been haven't you haven't been to Breffney Park pitch. Been absolutely there, no. lovely pitch so we that were, could be interesting we, we but were, it's brilliant like I mean just we were in it the week of the snow that we had to go back a few years ago <laughs> we had to drape up nicer through the middle of it because so. sure it was lovely up there but it's it snow was. now it'd be a bit cold up there it was but there was no snow when we landed up there so it was grand but um, yeah no interesting and well done to Mayo for winning the Division 4 so they're up to Division 3 now as well so great strides be made in the lesser counties great strides and I mean that respectfully yes but uh, have the management not stepped away from Mayo god that's the first I heard of that no I didn't see it um, has something happened up there or was it Roscommon one of them bear with me I'll have to check that out something has happened because I over I was on uh, I was listening to it on one of the Twitter feeds I'll have to double check that one for you but something has gone on anyway up that part of the country right well, we may check that for next week because that is unfortunately the end of our podcast time flies it certainly flew with our uh, broadcast or our interview I should say with uh, Hilda Breslin the president of the Camogie Association and in fairness to Hilda I didn't mean to keep her on as long but she made some very valid points and it was great to get her uh, her expertise and her opinion on an awful lot of matters as well uh, relating to Camogie um, and that but it is hard to believe that episode 11 has come to an end it is Paula's second episode she's flying in the hot seat wait till the 30th comes and we are looking at uh, it's actually Ross Coming that following a county board meeting by Ross Coming Camogie Just board it was unanimously decided that the junior Camogie manager and management team uh, to be removed from their positions we would like to thank the manager and the management team and wish them well all the best going forward so they didn't actually step down they were they removed Mm. So just a quick thing Merch just to remind At the weekend We have the fail on This weekend Yes Good woman So that's on this weekend So there's loads of Different venues around Kilkenny um, I'd say if you call To a local GA pitch You'll probably see There'll be 
There's two sets, two two groups in James's Park. There's one in Tullerone, and I think there's another one down the south. And I'd have to double check that, but there's a lot going on at the moment. Handy thing to do: check kilkennycomogi.ie for all the latest exactly. fixtures, and they will all be up to date on that over the weekend. And lots for us to discuss over the weekend. Hard to believe next weekend is actually Easter. Next weekend is Easter, so we have under sixteen bees out on Monday. Yes, minor we might A's. have a result by the time we're recording. Yes, minor A's and B's out on Saturday. Saturday so I'll either be in here with a smile on my face or else drowning my sorrows. Don't come in here with not a smile on your face because I couldn't put up with that <laughs> now, to be fair. You're just great when you're happy, but just not so great when you're uh, when you're not so happy. And I mean that nicely now as well, so I do. Um, but yes, that is it for another episode with uh, Come On Kind. It has been fantastic. Don't forget, as always, to check out wherever you get your your podcast from click the button have a listen and hopefully that everyone is enjoying it and we will be back again on Easter Monday recording going out on the Tuesday night um, so not long to go as well and as always thanks to Ken who is back home uh, this evening and all this will be going to him shortly to get it all up and going but it is so Paula thank you kindly for your presence again this evening best luck at the weekend and we will talk to you all next weekend this is come on kind with martin quilty and onya family